Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by predictive content analytics software, Inbound Writer, and online proofing and collaboration platform, Proof HQ. Now, here are your hosts from Oracle Marketing Cloud, Chris Moody, and from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Hey everyone, welcome to Content Pros. Today is a very special episode. Today is the first episode where we're going to talk to Randy Frisch, who is someone you guys will get to know much, much better as Content Pros goes through its second season. So Randy's going to be the new co-host. He's the COO and co-founder of Uberflip. And Randy, today we want to get to know you, and also we'll talk about content because that's what everyone cares about. But first, Randy, welcome to Content Pros. Chris, thanks so much. It's uh, you know, as you and I have been talking over the last few weeks, this is exciting. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to be joining. You know, it's been a great previous season, and I uh, look forward to a lot of great guests that we got coming up together. Awesome. So, what makes you tick, Randy? I'd love to know about your background and what led you to start Uberflip and how things are going there. Yeah, uh, I think like any startup, uh, you know, a little bit of dumb luck and uh, you know a lot of hustle uh, gets us you know to the places we get to. Uh, you know, by no means was I in the software space. You know, more than five or six years ago, uh, I was doing very different things, but always had a passion for marketing. Um, and uh, you know, the real interesting thing about Uberflip is the original tech that we had uh, was never even intended to be built for a marketer. Um, and it was one of those things where we actually had a small sub-segment of our users from, from an earlier version uh, that were marketers and they were using the software in kind of a hacky way. And you know, my love for marketing kind of probably drew me to ask them more about what they were using it for and maybe where it also fell short and, and what they wish they didn't have to hack with it. And, uh, you know, together with my co-founder, uh, that led us to, uh, you know, a pretty exciting vision and uh, a fun journey so far. That's great. So can you tell us specifically what Uberflip does for content marketing for the folks who don't know? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, as, as you'll come to, to realize with me, I love to give analogies. Um, I just think it's a lot easier for people to grasp, especially when you're dealing with, you know, disruptive technology, uh, you know, same type of thing that, that you had, you and your company at Oracle kind of offer is this idea of a new way of approaching things. And, you know, the problem that, that we really set out to solve is, is somewhat of a new one. Um, you know, and as people tuning in here on Content Pros will know, I mean, content no longer is a buzzword. I mean, it's, it's here to stay. But for the last three to five years, um, you know, the biggest problem out there has really been content creation. You know, where am I going to get that next blog post? How am I going to go, you know, grab a video that I can put forward to my audience? Um, it, it's really been this feeling of a content crunch. And over the last few years, people have figured out how to solve that. There's been a lot of great platforms that have come out to, you know, purchase content from. Uh, some people have built amazing in-house content teams. Uh, and some people have gone to great agencies who are helping them do so. And now we're kind of getting to this new point of accountability. And one of the stories I often tell, kind of going back, you know, say five or ten years, probably closer to ten years now, is, is when social came out. And, uh, you know, on the other sister cast of, of the social pros, they'd probably talk about, you know, a day way back when, when 
you had to have a voice on social as a company. And the first thing everyone did was they went and they hired, you know, a 22-year-old kid to sit at a computer and tweet or post or whatever the verb was for the day because, again, they had to have a voice. And only after time did it start to be a little bit more about accountability for that, that young new marketer. Uh, and you know, systems came in place to really help provide that accountability. Early on, if you remember, it was solutions like Radian 6. Today, it's great solutions like Hootsuite and Sprinkler and other solutions that help us understand you know, what's working and what's not working, as well as you know, the best conduit to get that content out there, get that social content out there at the time. Today, that's that problem that marketers have, is how do we take all that content we've been creating for the last number of years and the content we continue to create with our great process, how do we get it out to our audience and actually understand what's working? And to do that, you know, the marketer really has to figure out, first of all, how do they bring all that content together? to live together in a great experience. Second, how do they integrate it with you know, tools like their marketing automation system, stuff you'll know a lot about, obviously, Chris. And then the third is, actually, how do I know which part's working? And as soon as I know what's working, that helps me create better content on an ongoing basis. I love it. And I'm curious, too. It's a bit like the movie Inception, but <laughs> content marketing at a company that makes a content marketing solution, which is exactly where I came from at Compendium. I'm just curious, how is content driving your marketing strategy at Uberflip? That's a great question. It's uh, you know, obviously a lot of pressure on our back. Uh, you know, we got to eat our own dog food and and go out there and, and be, uh, be those content pros out there. Um, and, uh, you know, for us, it, it really came, I, I think, easily in that both myself and my co-founder uh, were always very content-minded ourselves. You know, we always craved content to learn how to scale our business and how to you know, do the right things with our own you know, go-to-market strategies. And very early on, we, we used content to, to acquire customers. And uh, you know, we built the business that we have here uh, you know, through bootstrapping for quite a long time. And to do that, you know, SEM is really expensive. You know, it's effective in many cases, but it's expensive. And content, we knew, was a great way for us to go build the business. So, you know, I, I think us putting such a, an important value on it made it really easy for us to kind of scale that as our team's grown. And, you know, one of the things that we talk about here is that everyone creates content. You know, we don't have a content marketing manager on staff. Um, our entire marketing team here, uh, which is made up of about 10 people, they all contribute content. And not just the marketers, but also our success team who's dealing with customers. Our sales team even contributes content. Let's dig in there. So how do you make sure that DNA of content is in every person that you hire? Is that something specific on each job description or do you talk about that in the interview process? Because I think a lot of folks and a lot of listeners are struggling to really look at how they can get other people to create content because we know most content marketing teams, if there is a specific content marketing team, it's one or two people, maybe four people. They all have other jobs they have to do. So they're struggling to find the other people to empower and enable them to create content. So how are you doing that across an organization to make sure that everyone is a content contributor? 
No, it's a, it's a great question, and, and it's it's not easy. I mean, for us, there's extra stress to find people who embrace content. As as you said, we are a content marketing provider. Uh, you know, we help with that process, so we really want it to be in that DNA of, of everyone who's here. So, uh, you know, one of the things that we do is we definitely you know hit on that in any interview. Um, you know, right now I'm hiring someone in more of a talent management role, and even there, you know, I'm asking them about you know how does content play play a role in their day to day how does it allow them to do their job better and and it's not that they have to be content marketing enthusiasts on day 1 it's just whether content has played an important role in getting them to be successful at the job that they do right uh, there's a lot of ways people can learn to be successful today you know some people still have a great mentor that they go to some people uh, you know went to school and got some great hard skills um, in doing so but you know we usually like to go to those resourceful people out there you know the, the people who you know learned how to do things by exploring the web exploring you know various content assets that can help them do their job better um, so you know we we've got pretty well defined core cultural values here uh, that everyone needs to understand you know on day one they they actually sit with me on the second day of work and we uh, we really sit down and dive into our values and one of them that we talk about is this idea of relevance and the importance of being relevant um, you know internally and to our customers and that the only way that you can do that is can, can to continue to learn not just learn in the first 30 days of onboarding but learn every day and that's very much linked as you as you know Chris with the idea of content I love that you hit on relevance before we talked about quality or quantity or anything else and I think that many content practitioners are still not putting as much focus on relevance as they need to and much of this comes from not having personas or not really understanding your customers and you know we've shared a bit about our backgrounds but for one year I was a dedicated product manager so I was at a medical device company and that was my job and my entire job was basically talking to customers understanding what was working what wasn't and engineering that into the product which helps me immensely with content because I understand the importance of the voice of the customer but what advice would you have for folks who may not truly understand their customers or what relevance even means how can they get started and do a better job of that yeah it's it's funny it's funny your story reminds me a lot of my first job right at a university uh, while back now but you know my first job was a big consumer goods company uh, and I was calling on Walmart stores going store to store and I often kidded and called myself like a glorified stock boy um, but you know and, and I cursed every day I was like I can't believe I went to university I got a degree to do this but it was only when I was uh, promoted a little bit later into a marketing role where I was a, a, a product marketing manager that I understood that that by having those conversations with customers who were interacting with our products that I could actually be more relevant in terms of the types of promotions and the type of programs and campaigns that I designed in the future to go to them. So I think one of the most important things um, you know, that, that, that gets overlooked, even though people stress building out a persona, is that people forget that the best way to understand the persona is to talk to your customers, right? Is to talk to them about you know, what are you doing that they love and what are you doing that they're missing? 
you know, just as I described before, when we when we founded Uberflip here, um, our original product was not built for marketers. But when we knew we wanted to move into that into that world, we looked at the small subsegment of, of marketers that we had, and we started to talk more to them. We started, you know, we did surveys with them. We had calls with them. Um, as much as it didn't necessarily pay for itself, in my mind, you know, or at the time, I went out and met with some of them face to face. So I think that's one of the most important things that we overlook is not just sitting there and brainstorming what our customers look like, but actually getting on the phone or figuring out a way to get feedback from them. I love that, Rania. And while you still have to talk to the customer, there's no substitute for that. One of the amazing sponsors of Content Pros, Inbound Writer, can help you understand what content will work before you produce it. So we know that most blog posts and articles fail to drive much, if any, traffic to your website. With Inbound Writer, it will help you do that. The content analysis tool will forecast how your content performs based on real-time analysis of your site, your competition, and even search engine behaviors. Inbound Writer tells you which topics will work, which won't, and why to help remove the guesswork from content creation. This is going to help you increase traffic, and you're not going to waste as much of your time. Right now, you can get a free month trial of Inbound Writer at inboundwriter.com slash content pros offer. And we'll link that up in the show notes. So let's dive into talking to customers a little bit more. I, I think this is something that terrifies most marketers, to be honest, because there's the fear of even picking up the phone and talking to someone, and there's the hesitance of not really knowing what to say, when in actuality, there is no better person to talk to to create content than the customer. And there are many other benefits, like you said. You know, you may need to pivot your product. There may be something you're missing. But can you talk to how can marketers eliminate some of that fear and build better relationships with their customers and not necessarily just responding to them on social media, but actually picking up the phone and talking to them? Yeah, you know, one of the amazing things I think today with, with customers is is they're very different than they were in the past. I, you know, I think social media has done that to us, you know, as people, right? I mean, it's it's encouraged us to speak up even when we don't have something valuable to say in sometimes, in some cases. But, you know, in, in the case of, of product, people nowadays want to, want to speak. They want to be heard. And they want to help you in many ways. I mean, one of the, the terms that's, that's really becoming big in marketing as a whole um, is the idea of advocacy and, and leveraging your customers, whether it's for a referral or whether it's for feedback or whatever the case be. And I think that that's, that's part of that trend that, that we need to look to to kind of overcome, as you put it, that fear. I mean, yeah, getting on the phone with with a customer is scary at first. Um, but, you know, once you, you get into the conversation and you try and actually just take it away sometimes, as I said, from, you know, maybe just that formal survey, but actually just have a conversation. You'll be amazed at some of the some of the feedback that you actually end up getting. I have an example of that too that I was just going to share really fast because uh, I worked at a company, bandwidth.com, and they were a telecommunications provider amongst other things. But I think everyone knows the perception of telecom companies, right? If you do anything to provide a phone, people either love you or they absolutely hate you and wish they could switch to someone else, but they're under a contract. That's pretty much where they lie. There's not much in between. And we had one complaint that was pretty volatile on social media, and we knew the person's name because it was a Twitter profile. So we did a quick search 
in our CRM at the time and pulled up that person's phone number. And I still remember, I, I was a little worried about doing it because I was like, eh, that might creep them out a little bit. But I called them. So instead of responding on Twitter, I called them and said, hey, you know, this is Chris. I'm in marketing here, but I'd love to help you through that issue. I'm really sorry you're having a problem. And their mind was blown. I mean, I didn't do anything revolutionary. I was not great at customer support, but it was just about connecting that relationship online to, you know, it wasn't in person, but talking to them on the phone. So most people go to social media when they're ready to complain or when they really love something. And it immediately diffused the situation. He wasn't that mad. He was actually like, well, you know, I'm, I really like the product and it's a great deal, but I just can't solve this one problem. And I think that's an indication of where we stand right now with content and social. I think too many times we're treating all relationships as digital when a simple phone call could dramatically change the perception. And, you know, I think that's pretty accurate with what you were describing, Randy. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know, it's interesting you describe that dynamic of, of what's happening there and how you know I, I think it also really captures how the marketer's role in the organization has changed so much, uh, you know, and, and will continue to change. Uh, you know, we read all these reports of how marketers are going to have you know more and more share uh, of the budget in the organization, and I think it's not just share of budget, but I think it's share of responsibility and accountability, and you know the marketer is becoming the person that everyone turns to. Uh, you know, you talk about interacting with customers, uh, we used to think about support doing that. Um, whereas today, you know, the marketer is really helping to bridge some of those tools that are being used and the feedback towards support. Similarly, um, you know, we're, as we were talking about earlier with, with our case, you know, marketing here very much feeds our product cycle. Um, you know, our marketing team's use of the solution and feedback from our customers helps us influence what we're going to do next in our product. So I think one of the keys in any company to really embrace that is to embrace the marketing team, but even more so embrace open communication. Um, and you know, there's a lot of great tools today, you know, to help companies communicate better. Um, you know, I'm sure I'm sure at your team you you've got great scalable tools, um, you know, for a large organization. For our small team, we use, you know, tools that are relatively, relatively affordable, even, you know, recently like Slack that really allow us to take some of that feedback from the marketing team and make sure that it, it makes its way around the company. And that, as a result, really helps form in both ways because we're making sure feedback goes to the marketing team and the marketing team out. And that ultimately, back to this whole idea of content, helps us better understand what our customers are looking for so that we can create content that's going to resonate. I love that. And let's talk about content that's going to resonate. So what's the actual process of producing content like at Uberflip? And how do you try to make sure that the content you produce is going to have a good fit in the market? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think, you know, the reality is you have to start somewhere. Um, and, you know, that, that starts with, as we talked about, you know, talking to customers, figuring out who those personas are, and really brainstorming. And a lot of, of, of the content we create comes from a great brainstorming session that our VP of marketing, uh, Hannah, leads every week. And she brings the team together and they brainstorm everything from ideas to headlines. Um, you know, the original headline is very often not the final headline once, once our team starts to have fun with it. And 
and I think that that you know true sense of collaboration is really key uh, for us to make sure that what we put out is not you know just something to you know to fill the clutter of the web, but rather something that our customer actually wants to hear about. Again, back to that idea of being relevant. Great, and you talked about collaboration, and one of our amazing sponsors, Proof HQ, can help in the content creation process as you go through your collaboration. So everyone has to deal with approvals, edits, people weighing in on making the logo bigger, or is this the best photo we have for this blog post? You can get rid of all of that drama by using Proof HQ. It's a slick web-based system that allows everyone on your team to instantly collaborate on content executions. You can work together on blog posts, ebooks, slide shares, infographics, and more. You'll be more productive and more creative when you use Proof HQ. You can check it out at bit.ly slash Proof HQ. I was going to say what's cool as well about you know the way our our process kind of continues, and you know this is you know maybe a bit of a product plug, but you know we we use our own product every day, so it's you know it's it's the reality is one of the things that you need with content is you need a way to get content out in the moment. You know you can't wait for a timely piece of content to go out two weeks later because you know that's when your web team can get it up on the CMS or um, you know perhaps there's other obstacles or red tape. So our, our team's able to really get content out very quickly, which is really important, and and not just get it out, but organize it. You know, we don't want to just have content organized on our website by format, right? And that's one of the things I think when you look at a lot of, of companies that, that we see, when we get to the content on their site, which is where we want to bring people, it's where we want to keep people, we organize content by format. So we're going to have all of our webinars sitting in one section. We're going to have another silo with our ebooks. We're going to have another silo with infographics, another silo with our blog, and so on. And when you think about it, Chris, like when's the last time you went to a company and said, you know, I'm going to read a bunch of ebooks right now? Right? More likely, if you went to even one of our sponsors' websites, um, you know, what you're going to find on their sites is you're going to want to learn about their products. You're going to want to learn about how they help with collaboration or how they help with predictive content. Um, and those topics are the more important way for a marketing team to organize content for their audience. And that's one of the things that we really try and do, and that, that comes back to that idea of relevance, is we don't want people to land on our site and look by format. Same thing, we don't want them to see a chronological list of content. I mean, what if they're a new cohort that's come in for the first time ever? We may have a piece of gold that we created six months ago that we can serve up again as long as it's still relevant and continue to see the good results that are coming from that. I love that. Let's talk about content hubs a little more. So, you know, if you have this single entry point and you can't put a blanket statement out and say this is the best for everybody, but what are some best practices content marketers can follow in trying to build out this single entry point? Because I think we all have different landing pages for different pieces of content and in many cases, it's just one thing with one call to action, which does serve a purpose. But if you're trying to provide a more dynamic experience for folks and offer up lots of different types of content, what's working best? What are you guys seeing? Yeah, you know, I, I think what, what companies need to do is emulate social 
social experiences that, that we use every day. So when you think about it, and, and I'm guilty of this as well, which is at the end of the day, every day, I go onto LinkedIn or I go onto Twitter or I go onto some sort of feed that's going to give me an update. And I say, you know what, I'm going to spend five, maybe ten minutes on here just kind of catching up on what's going on so that I can you know, know my stuff. And the reality is my intention to stick around for five to ten minutes very quickly turns into 20 or 30 minutes. I get consumed in this infinite scroll of content. Um, you know, so on LinkedIn, the way they do that is they've delivered content that continues to be relevant to me. Each piece builds on the other towards some sort of you know, engagement that I don't want to leave. And that's what we need to try and do as a brand. You know, a lot of us uh, are guilty, and I used to be guilty of this as well when I was running campaigns, of kind of you know, ringing the bell or celebrating when someone engaged in our latest piece of content. Um, and as much as that's important, it's not necessarily the end goal. Uh, your end goal is probably increased engagement, you know, longer time on page perhaps, or hopefully even driving a lead or driving revenue. And that's where it's really important to make sure that as a brand, you know, we create that same journey through content on our site. Again, with relevant content moving from one piece to the next. And important to note, you know, when we look at that thread on LinkedIn these days, it's not all blog posts, it's not all videos, it's intermingled. You know, we have a blog post followed by a video followed by an infographic. You know, it needs to be that we can organize content down a logical journey. And then the other key thing there as they go through that journey is we need to be able to convert them at the right time. Right? We need to pull them into our marketing automation systems, as you would know best uh, over there at Oracle. Well, I was sitting here nodding my head, and then I realized I didn't mention to the viewers that we're actually partners. So we haven't done a lot of work together specifically in the past, but you guys are helping our customers. I think we're helping many of your customers. So I was nodding and thinking we should totally pilot something out, and we can talk about that on a later episode of Content Pro. So we'll have to take that offline, but I think we're going to have to come up with some cool effort, maybe around content pros with both of us working together. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. And, and to your point, I mean, one of the things, you know, way back when, as I described, when we started talking to our customers about their, their problems with content, you know, one of the things that we do really well is we create this beautiful experience, right? It looks amazing. It powers things like resource pages and content hubs, as, as you touched on with that, you know, new age terminology that everyone's excited about. But, you know, I often call that the eye candy, as I said. You know, that, that's the stuff that needs to look good. Your boss wants it to look good. Your customers want it to look good. But the real guts of the solutions that we provide, and the same as the ones that we partner with you on, are to better understand those journeys so we can replicate them. And that's where, as an example, where we integrate with your Eloqua product, we can actually pass a new lead, a net new lead, right into Eloqua and help you gain a new lead or using progressive profiling we can help you actually understand more information about that visitor who's consuming your content and by doing that and not just focusing on getting a new contact but understanding the journey we start to understand what people care about so if you have Steve and you have Sally and Steve engaged in way more video content and Sally was much more long text blog content well in the nurture campaign that we're going to send them wouldn't it be great if we sent them the content format that, that resonates with them the most? 
Yeah, we're definitely going to have to do that. And we can share it, too, on Content Pros. That can be a future episode. So we have lots of great guests scheduled, and we're coming upon the end of our time for our first episode together. But I'm going to ask you this, Randy, because you're going to have to ask other people once we get going. But we ask this every single time. What did you want to be when you grew up? I love I love that question. It's funny, uh, you know, how that changes with time, and you know, it depends when you look. It's you know, my my eldest son, um, you know, when he was really little, uh, you know, you asked him what he wanted to be, and Disney's Cars movie was you know really big, so he wanted to be a car, right? And you know, you know, to a degree, he lost a level of his imagination one day, and he came home, and I, you know, we were talking about what he wanted to be, and he no longer wanted to be a car; he wanted to be a car driver. And it, and it you know, it was funny just to see how that that evolves. And and I think the same is true with anyone in terms of looking, you know, at some point in in their career. And it's you know. One of the things I always remember when I was a kid, and I was always fascinated with marketing. And, and back in that day, the idea of being a, a big fancy marketer was that you were designing, you know, huge billboards, or you were in charge of a Super Bowl commercial. Um, because you know, 20 years ago, that was the way that you know we thought about engaging with our audiences. Um, and I think you know the cool thing about how you know my my dreams have evolved is. I'm still doing what I always wanted to do is I'm engaging with audiences, I'm helping people engage with audiences, but I'm doing so in a much more relevant way today, which is all about you know, how, do we, how do we find the most organic way to reach a customer and get them to trust us as a brand and get them to you know, form a relationship. And that's, you know, ultimately that's what content is all about and you know, that's, that's to me why I'm really excited to be doing this show with you. Awesome. I heard that as you wanted to be Don Draper, but it's changed a little bit. That's what I heard. So. Well, we'll just leave it there. No comment. We'll just leave it there. Absolutely. So, so thanks so much for joining, Randy. I, I'm really excited about working together on Content Pros. We're going to have a ton of fun. Head over to uberflip.com. You can learn more about how they can help you with your content marketing organization. And we're going to have some great episodes very soon. So you guys can check us out, contentprospodcast.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher, anywhere you get podcasts. You're going to find Randy and I there for you now. And the next episode is with the one and only Joe Polizzi. So more to come soon. Thank you all for joining, and we'll talk. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Oracle Marketing Cloud, Uberflip, Proof HQ, and Inbound Writer, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com. The first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by...